0: Well, during the month of December, we've been in a message series here at the church called Songs of Christmas, and I'm going to conclude that tonight by looking at the song O oh Holy Night. The song itself has a pretty interesting story. It was written originally as a poem by a man named Placid Roquemar, when his parish priest in the small French town that he lived in asked him to write a special poem for Christmas Mass. The year was 1847. Keppel was surprised by the request because he wasn't a religious man. In fact, he never expressed more than just a mild interest in the church and very rarely attended mass. But he accepted the challenge and opening a Bible to the Gospel of Luke. He used that as his guide as he tried to imagine what it might have been like to witness the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. And ultimately, his thoughts inspired him to write a poem that was originally called Cantique de Noël. Ultimately, he was so moved by what he had written that he decided it needed to be more than just a poem. It needed to be a song. Because he wasn't musically inclined, he asked a friend named Adolph Charles Adams for help. And what was interesting about Adams was that he was Jewish. And so putting that poem to music was an extra special challenge for him because it was all about a day that he didn't celebrate and a man that he didn't recognize as the son of God. But in spite of that, He gave his best effort, and the finished product product was a beautiful melody for Capo's words. The parish priest was so pleased that the song was performed just three weeks after it had been written on Christmas Eve for Midnight Mass. Initially, the song was accepted wholeheartedly by the church in France and began to find its way in various Catholic Christmas services. But when Capo, who, remember I told you, was not a religious man ended up walking away from the church completely and joining the socialist movement. And after church leaders found out that Adams was a Jewish man, the song that had so quickly grown to be one of the favorites among the people was suddenly and uniformly banned by the Catholic Church because it deemed that it lacked musical taste and it also lacked a total absence of the spirit of religion. And yet, no matter how hard the church tried, the French people continued to sing the song, O oh Holy Night, because the message was so powerful. And a decade later, a reclusive American writer named John Sullivan Dwight brought the song to a whole new audience halfway around the world here in America. Now, in addition to that, there are some interesting urban legends that are attached to the song that I don't really particularly believe are true. But the most intriguing thing is that from the time it was first sung in that small Christmas mass in that small French town in 1847, o Holy Night has been sung millions, literally millions of times in churches around the world. And this incredible work requested by a nameless and forgotten parish priest written by a poet who would later reject the church completely and put the music by a Jewish composer who didn't even believe in Jesus, celebrates the birth of Jesus in an unforgettable way. Just think about how the song begins. It's almost as if Capo invites us, every time we hear it, to close our eyes and imagine the world before the birth of Jesus. Oh holy night, the stars are brightly shining... It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. What does that mean? The word pining is a word that describes the reality of both suffering and longing. And that was the reality of the world before Jesus' birth. Suffering from sin that had broken man's relationship with God... Creating darkness and despair, and longing for some sign of hope and deliverance, longing for something new and something better. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. And then come the next three words till he appeared. Till he appeared. And when Jesus appeared, everything changed because jesus came into the world to provide that deliverance that the world longed for to provide that new and better life that we all desire that leads to a confident hope and so we're gonna take just a few minutes to remind ourselves of that that truth of what jesus brought into the world when he appeared by simply looking at just a portion of the familiar christmas story as it appears in luke chapter 2 if you have a bible you can turn there quickly Or you can just look at the words as they appear on the screen. But either way, I want to invite you right now, if you're able, to go ahead and stand with me for the reading of the scripture. I'm going to pick up the story in Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. This is after Jesus has been born. And we have that familiar verse of Mary wrapping him in in cloths or swaddling clothes and lying him in a manger. Verse 8 says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven... The shepherds said to one another, "Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about." So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. All right, you can be seated. We always ask God to bless the reading and the hearing of his word. While there's so much we can talk about from these words, we have a limited amount of time. And so let me just focus on three things related to that new and that better life that Jesus offers when he comes into the world. The first thing is this. It's available to everyone. When you think about it, it's pretty amazing That God chose to break the news of the birth of his son, the Messiah, the deliverer to a group of shepherds who just happened to draw the night shift. You would think an announcement like that would be made to kings and priests and world leaders, but that wasn't the case. It was delivered to shepherds who were a part of the lowest class of people in their culture. Pretty much the bottom of the ladder when it came to Social life and standing. Shepherds in Jesus' day had no power. They had no influence. In fact, shepherds in Jesus' day weren't even allowed to testify in the trial because they weren't deemed as being credible. They were nobodies. But this is who Jesus chose to hear the news about Jesus' birth first before anyone else. And one of the simple and yet most practical applications that can come from that is the truth that the message of Jesus is available to anyone And everyone, because there's no person on this planet who isn't significant in the eyes of God. And there's no person on this planet who isn't dear to the heart of God. No one. And so when the angel appeared to those shepherds to tell them about Jesus' birth, he said in Luke 2.10, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all. Everyone say all. All people. All people. And let me tell you two things about those words that we can never forget. And the first is, that's good news for you and for me. In fact, we could all say, that's good news for me. We could think of it from a purely individual standpoint and say, that's good news for me. The second thing we can never forget is this. It's also good news for everyone else. Sometimes we have a way of consciously or unconsciously deciding who's good enough and who's not. But God doesn't love or care about or care about any of us any more than he does the rest of the people in the world and it doesn't matter where you live it doesn't matter the color of your skin it doesn't matter what language you speak God loves everyone the same Jesus was born for everyone That's why Luke 2:10 says do not be afraid i bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people all people Then verses 11 and 12 continued and say, and and say today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, in a manger rather. So it says today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Then a choir of angels showed up and they began to sing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. You know, there are a lot of people, I think it's important for us to understand the the application of those words for all of us because there are a lot of people in the world today who think that God is an angry God with an angry message, but that's not the case. God's message is a message of love and it's a message of hope and it's a message of opportunity. That's clear from the Christmas story, but it's also clear from other verses in the Bible like Romans chapter five and verse eight that says, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. When we were at our worst, God gave us the gift of Jesus. John three seventeen says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I love this quote from a man named Steve May. He says, the message of Christmas is that the whole world walks on level ground before God. Whether you're a shepherd or a sheik, whether you live in the first class world or the third world, whether you work in the mail room or the boardroom, we're all the same. God loves each of us. That means Jesus offers a new and better life to everyone. Here's the second thing that we need to understand about that life that Jesus offers, and I think this is especially important it's experienced personally. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 12, as the angel was telling the shepherds about the birth of Jesus, they said to, or he said to them, rather, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then you skip down to verses 15 and 16, and you read, when the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. They went to see and experience Jesus for themselves. I'm going to be really straightforward for just a minute. The world is filled with people who have heard the story of Jesus over and over again and yet have never examined it or checked it out for themselves. That may even describe someone who's here tonight in this service. You come to Christmas and maybe even Easter services year after year where you hear the story of Jesus, but you never respond to it in any kind of a personal way. We love the story of Christmas and we love how Jesus was born in Bethlehem and laid in a manger because it's nice, it's familiar, it's part of our Christmas tradition. But at some point, you've got to look past the manger and you've got to see the cross. You've got to look past the fact that Jesus was born to understand why he was born. And that was to die on the cross where he paid the penalty for our sin, for mine and for yours. That's why he was born. That's why the angel said and. Luke chapter 2 and verse 11, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you who is Christ the Lord. He's our Savior because he does for us what we can't do for ourselves. He saves us from our sin. He doesn't overlook our sin. He takes it away by dying on the cross in our place and being punished in our place he is christ because he's been anointed by god to establish his kingdom in your heart and mind and then use us in turn to spread the message and change the world and he is lord because jesus was no ordinary man he was god in human flesh When Paul writes about Jesus in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 17, this is what he says about Jesus. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. Why? Because he's God. He isn't a savior to be read about in a book or to be heard about once a year in a Christmas Eve service. He is a savior that has to be known personally. And here's the third and final thing we need to understand about that new and better life that Jesus came into the world to offer us. It needs to be shared. Luke 2 and verses 16 through 18 say, so they hurried off, found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, note this, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them after the shepherds heard the announcement of Jesus' birth and after they experienced the reality of Jesus for themselves firsthand, they told others. And you know what that reminds us of? What that teaches us is that every Christian, every person who has experienced Jesus in a personal, meaningful way has the responsibility of sharing the message of Jesus with others. And no one is exempt, not even the most timid person, no one is exempt A man named Charles Spurgeon once said, every Christian is a missionary or an imposter. Once you experience Jesus in a way that changes your life, you can't keep it to yourself. This past September, we were focusing on the word gospel in our Monday morning staff recap and prayer meetings here at the church And I was asked to share a devotion one Monday that was called, What is the Gospel? And why do we need gospel renewal? And so I did that in what I thought was a very simple but thorough way. And in the end, as I wrap things up talking about our responsibility to share the gospel and the gospel... Is simply, gospel is simply a word in the original language of the New Testament that means good news. And it's the good news about Jesus, the good news that he came into the world to offer us a new and better life. As I was wrapping it up, I wanted to talk about our responsibility to share that gospel, that good news. And so I concluded with this story. A pastor named Ken Taylor tells of a friend who served as a missionary for an extended period of time in in a restricted access country. For many years, the government of that country had taught people that there was no God. And so he said, my friend had the opportunity to interact on a regular basis with a non-believer of that country who was a highly educated man, a highly educated professional man. And after developing a friendship with him, My friend had the opportunity to tell him the gospel story about Jesus, the good news that Jesus came into the world to offer everyone a new and a better life. And he said, my friend was taken back by the man's response because this is what the man said in response to hearing the story of Jesus. What you have told me cannot be true because if it were true, it is such good news that someone would have told me this before. Charles Spurgeon said, you're either, as a Christian, you're either a missionary or you're an imposter. We all have the responsibility to share the good news. Every Christmas reminds us of the good news that Jesus came into the world, a world in sin and error pining, a world that was suffering and longing, and he brought hope, my Christmas prayer for all of us is that we have found that hope and that we are willing to share it with others i want you to pray with me thank you lord just simply thank you for jesus i pray that everyone listening to my voice right now has found the hope of a new life and a better life free from sin free from the bondage of sin free from the condemnation of sin, free from the separation of sin through personal faith in Jesus. And I pray that you would convict and challenge all of us to find ways to share that message with others. Thank you for that holy night when Jesus appeared and the world was changed forever. In his name I pray, amen.